Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. My name is Ryan Cabrera, and I am your co-host, and I'm here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Uh, it's great to be here. We're a little late. You, well, you know... We had some technical difficulties. Um, let, let's just say this. Spiritual warfare is a thing. It just is. It just is. When you have vision and you have purpose, the enemy is going to come in and you're riding your bike along and he's like, ooh, I got a pole. And you're just going to throw it right into the spokes of your wheel. It just And then what happens? You know, it's a, it's a little rough, right? Yeah, I it's a little God, rough. I thank God for safety. So we'll start today by just praying, right? Yes. Church. Father, we love you and we thank you. We just want to lift you up. We want to lift up your son, Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah, above all men, women, and children so that we can see him, Father. Help us keep the main thing the main thing. Help us keep focus on our vision and our purpose, Lord, and not be distracted by the wiles of the enemy. And God, we cast out any spirit of the enemy that would come to kill, steal, or destroy any part of the vision that we have here. We love you, Lord, and we pray in your Son's name, Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's do it. Hallelujah. Let's do it. All right, so we are in the Gospel of Matthew still, uh, studying chapter 11, the first uh, half, verses like 1 through 19. We've obviously been going through the book of Matthew all this time, um, but that doesn't mean that the you know, this podcast is called Christians with Torah. So if you're wondering where the Torah is, well, we've been doing the Torah portions for the last four years. So there's four years worth of the, the weekly Torah portions. So if you want to listen to it. This is true. You can just it's go back buffet. And, and pull it up um, it's a buffet. on Apple's uh, podcast app or SoundCloud or, um, heck, there's, there's even um, Spotify has it. I think um, iHeartRadio might even have it. We're it's on Spotify? Them. Oh, yeah, we're on Spotify. Wow. I know. I think we're even on Pandora. I've been having a problem with Spotify. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's jump right in here. We're in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 1 through 19. Just 19 verses. Boy, it's all you can handle, I'm telling mm-hmm. you. I'm going to have Ryan read Matthew, chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. John's questions for Yeshua is the title. That's right. So now it came to pass, when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples, that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Wow. So what did Yeshua do after he had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples? So he departed from there to teach and to preach, and it says in their cities, which I'm assuming is Galilee, the Galilean cities. And what did John do when he heard in the prison the works of Christ? Uh, I'm pretty sure he, like, got really excited. But what it says is it says that he sent two of his disciples. And what did John have his two disciples ask Yeshua? This is what he he was asking. A himself. very important question. <clears throat> it's, it says that he asked, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Interesting uh, question that we'll delve into a little bit later as we develop the storyline. But the imprisonment of John the Baptist is already mentioned in Matthew chapter 4, verse 12. He's imprisoned. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, he's the forerunner of Yeshua, was, the John, was John the Baptist. And he was the son of Zacharias and Elizabeth and a cousin of the Lord. Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 80. That's a lot of verses about John the Baptist. He was the descendant of the Levitical priesthood and preached a message of repentance. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. So he's a legit Isaiah Cohen, right? 40, verse 3. So he's a legit Cohen. Yeah, why don't you read Isaiah 40, verse 3. Isaiah 40, verse 3. In your Bible. Um, a legit Cohen, an actual descendant of Aaron, right? So his father That's what I would think. was a priest. That was doing the incense. Right. Picked to do the incense. And they say because of that, the order of, you know, that he actually did that would, would place, of course, John the Baptist's uh, birth around Passover. Yeshua's birth, which is six months later into the fall. Which would be... The division of the priests, the way it rolls out. That's one of the things. Tabernacles. That's right. You know. Yeah, oh, it, all the little things that we get to learn. So, so what does it say? Chapter 40, verse 3 of Isaiah. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So John the Baptist got his name because people were coming out to hear the message of repentance and then being baptized in the Jordan River by him. Baptismo in the Greek. Baptismo. To be immersed. Now, the Jews practiced mikvahs, which was to be immersed in water, to be ceremonially cleansed. So when you hear about John the baptizer, baptismo in the Greek, they were coming out and they were doing ceremonial mikvahs. They were doing mikvahs. Right. You know, and uh, that's different than today's modern Christian water baptism. It is, and it is interesting because we have this Christian doctrine of water baptism, which the word comes from right. the word baptismo in the Greek, but when we talk about baptism, we're talking about a singular event where somebody right. is baptized to proclaim their faith in Jesus Christ, right. right? So it's an outward manifestation of what God's done on the inside. Exactly right. This, however, is something that they would do whenever they were trying to ceremony cleanse themselves, right. or if there's like a big event or something coming up and they wanted to... And that's why Yeshua was able to be baptized. Right, because he wasn't really baptized right. in the sense that we talk about. He can't baptize himself in the name of the Godhead. Yeah, he was immersed... Yeah. In a mikvah. You can imagine, and I baptize myself in, in the, the name, name of the of Father, him. me, and the Spirit. <laughs> so, yeah, so we have to ask ourselves, what's going on here? So water is always cleansing and different things. Um, you know, you know uh, so. have you, there was an episode in The Chosen, right, where John the Baptist is in prison. That comes after the Tabernacles one, I'm sure. And Nicodemus comes and sees him in prison. Do you remember this? I didn't get to watch that one yet. Oh, no, this I'm is in season it. one. Oh, season one. This is in season one. Oh, so that's, this is all right. So that's right. So I remember, remember the woman, uh, right. Mary Magdalene, right? Right. Gets the healing and Nicodemus is trying to figure it all out. Right. So then he goes and sees John the Baptist in prison. Uh, and I forget what brings him to see him. And of course, we don't know if this actually occurs. But what I'm thinking is the way that John the Baptist found out about what was going on with Jesus was through Nicodemus. Because when Nicodemus starts saying, hey, this healing happened, then like John the Baptist gets all excited. And he's like, That's an interesting point. He's like, it has begun. It, has it begun. started. It's time. Yeah, he's excited. I know. He's so excited. You know, when we stop and look at this, it's kind of interesting because every year just before the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the Beit Tehillah community partakes in doing mikvahs. Amen. So we do a ceremonial cleansing, right, during the days of all. There's right. two days, uh, ten days. There's two days that we take to do it. I think it's going to be a Wednesday and a Thursday. But um, in Hebrews ten nineteen, this is just food for thought. <laughs> Hebrews ten nineteen. 
to keep it in context, it says the believer's access to God. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. Wow. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, this is very interesting. This verse 22 in Hebrews 10, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Okay. You got to believe it. Right. You got to believe in the mikvah, the ceremonial right. cleansing. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Okay, is there anything there that I got to deal with or that I haven't dealt with that I need to deal with? You know, sure. Am I dealing with some stuff? Lastly, Ryan, our bodies washed with pure water. Now, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke and to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The day The day of atonement. The day of atonement. So keeping it in context. So he's our high priest. We have this going on, and, and we've been practicing mikvahs for, for some time now, and uh, it grows. Yeah. And once you've done it and you've experienced it, I always say, do you feel like the water's calling you, you know? And yeah. Sometimes people want to do baptisms at that time. I said, no, this is a mikvah service. We're right. going to nick the immerser. Where it says, the as you see the day approaching, that's clearly a reference to the Day of Atonement. However, do you think it's also the Day of the Lord, it, maybe? It could be the Day of the Lord, but it's actually laying out here. It's just laying out for us some really cool things, and this is in the New Testament. Yeah. You know, having our bodies washed with pure water. So so that would make sense, because the priests washed themselves. I remember one time watching uh, a video by Jeremy Gimpel and Ari Abramowitz. Um, they have the Land of Israel Network in Israel, and they live in the mountains of Tekoa, and they have a farm called Aragot Farms. And they've been um, like online slash TV slash radio personalities in Israel for years and years and years. And I remember one time they were going to the Temple Mount because there was finally like a day that they were able to go. And before they went to the Temple Mount, they were, you know, kind of filming as they were going and they're talking and they're having conversations, explaining what they're doing. And then like they went and did a mikvah because they're like, hey, listen, I'm not going to go to the holiest place on earth without first doing the mikvah. Now, here's the, the thing that I think, you know, in Christianity, people get very like specific about the doctrines behind things. Um, does the mikvah do anything to you, like other than just <laughs> dip you in water uh, from a physical standpoint? Maybe, maybe not. You know, ceremonial. It's kind of ceremonial, thing. right? But what it is is it's a representation of a change of status, right? So I'm going from the common and I'm stepping into the holy, and so this is a way of saying, hey, I'm going to put a dividing line, a mark in time, a, a bullet point or a pen. Would you? To say, hey, this moment, I'm going to separate what was before away from what's coming next, whatever that is. And so the mikvah does that. And it's a ceremonial way to do that. I think a lot of people would benefit from that understanding and then practicing it. It's, it's, it's all in faith. Amen. I mean, yeah, if, amen. If you're not called to do it, you don't, you don't feel comfortable about it. No, no, don't worry about no, it. No, they know? should definitely do it. See that? You no, know, when, uh-uh. when you, yeah. Do it. Yeah. Definitely do it. My thing is, but you got to have faith, you know. That's what I mean. I'm just saying, um, no peer pressure here. In Ezekiel thirty six twenty five, it says, Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. In verse 26, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. So a little process there as, as yeah. he's gathering us and doing things, you know. But uh, I just want to make that point uh, very clear. 
You know, listening to it in Ezekiel reminds me of how the physical and the spiritual mirror each other. Right. And how he's talking about, you know, washing and in, in the purity and how we learn lessons because we live here and we're carnal beings. We're or, sorry, we're spiritual beings living a carnal experience. Right. And so when we do these things, it's almost like we're able to kind of transcend the carnal nature that we live in and use these things as a tool to really bring our spirit oh, yeah. man forward. They're like as a spiritual exercise of faith. They're like speed bumps. It right. causes you to slow right. down, take action. Right. Don't mess up the front end of your car. Right. I agree. Don't mess mess up the front end of your life. So we're going to continue on in this question because it says, "Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another?" These were the. This is the question asked by John the Baptist. His disciples would go and ask Yeshua. We're going to we're going to do this, but I'm going to read uh, about John the Baptist in in Matthew chapter eleven verses four through eight. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What what ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what what ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment, behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. Hmm. That's as far as we're going to go. So if you want to take it from here, Ryan. Well, so let's do our, our, our verse here again. So not to repeat everything you just said, but at least verses. This is, this is it. Four through six. It says, Jesus answered uh, and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight. And the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. So here's the question. If he's responding to this, saying, hey, these are all the things that the Messiah would do, and oh, by the way, and I'm doing them, because it's almost like a mosaic when you look for little pieces of the puzzle for prophecy. Yeah. you got to grab one here, grab one there. Michael Heiser does a good job of saying that it's a messianic mosaic that you have to put together. Because had the enemy known what God was doing to bring back his kingdom, right. to take it back from the you know those, those lesser Elohim, <laughs> those evil spirits, they would have never allowed it. But could John the Baptist have anticipated a warrior king that would rid Israel of her enemies once and for all? Uh, I think that's exactly what he anticipated. To be, to be a zealot. You know, they say Judas Iscariot, you know, didn't realize what was going to happen to Yeshua when mm. he turned him in for that silver and everything. He thought, you know, and once they started beating him and took him into their possession and he didn't fight back or show himself to be a warrior king at that point, I think he was just despondent, just yeah. disappointed, just anguish. I think everybody was. So, yeah, so it didn't kind of work out the way that he thought. Maybe if I, maybe if I turn him in... He's, he's going to show you. He's yeah, like he thought he was speeding up the process. Could be. Yeah. Little did he know he was. Over that. He says, you know, I only lost one. Right. He did say that. So Yeshua's ministry is in line with prophetic promises about the time of salvation, as seen especially in these descriptions that recall the words of Isaiah. The blind receive sight, which can be found in Isaiah 29, 18 and Isaiah 35, 5. The lame walk. Uh, in Isaiah 35, 6. Lepers are cured, found in Isaiah 53, 4. And the deaf hear, Isaiah 29, 18 and 19, and also 35, 5. 
and then the dead are raised. This is found in Isaiah 26, 18 and 19. And the gospel, or the good news, is preached to the poor, and that can be found in Isaiah 61, 1, the famous verses that Yeshua quotes in the synagogue. Now, what's interesting about this is all of that's separated out, but almost, I think it's word for word, uh, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, they have a document that they found that this is an exact quote from where he says, boom, 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 all in that order the same way. So It's a lot. Interesting how... The what can't he do? Right. So, in other words, contemporary literature at the time and the thought process was, hey, these are the things that the Messiah will do, and when somebody shows up on the scene and they do these things, that's the Messiah. <laughs> right? Yeah. The proof is in the pudding is what I think, you know, if Jesus was alive today is what he would have said. He would have said, hey, the proof is in the pudding. That's right. That's good. So Yeshua's deeds gave sufficient proof of who he was, and that prophesied time of salvation had come. And so oh, it's, it was there. And again, those are references from Isaiah 61.1 and 62.1. Now verse 7, And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. And that's Matthew uh, 11, 7 and 8. And so John the Baptist was clothed with camel's hair and a leather belt. His food was locust and wild honey. He was modest in his clothing and did not hold a high position within society. So this is interesting because Yeshua, you know, at this point, right, he's answered the question of John's disciples. He says, go and tell John all of these things are happening for the proof that he is the Messiah. He is the one. But then John's disciples take that answer and they say, okay, cool. They, ran, they, they leave, and now he turns to the multitudes, right, the, the peanut gallery that's there, and he addresses them like, well, what did you go out to see when you saw John? You know, a reed shaken in the wind, which I've kind of read a couple things about this, and I'm like, what does a reed shaking with the wind mean? And I think it's like, to go watch the grass grow. Like, I don't think it's, I think it's a, a point of, you didn't go to see a reed shake it by the wind is really the point there. It was something very important. Right. But to, meaning, yeah. meaning that's not what you went to see, right? right? You went to see John the Baptist, right. right? And so, but what did you go to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft garments uh, are in uh, king's houses. And so I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? You know, I think, again, they didn't go out there to see a man clothed in soft garments because Everyone knew he was wearing camel's hair. I don't think camel's hair is very soft, is it? I don't even want to know. <laughs> I don't even want to I, don't even, I, just, I wasn't expecting that I don't answer. want to go to Israel and say, I'd like, to, I'd like a camel suit. <laughs> don't they have camel hair I've suits? I've got wool. I've got cotton. I want a camel suit. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder I if know, the, the prohibition of mixing fabrics applies it's so just it, cotton camels and wool, are unclean. or camel's hair. Right? Aren't camels unclean? Yeah, but like again, the skins of animals and like things that are have a utility that are not like eaten ha- are able to be used. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really know. Yeah, I don't know. I tell you, I don't know. I don't know. All right. So, are you ready to read Matthew? I think chapter it's, eleven. I think it's your turn 12? to read. Your turn to read. I'll take. Oh, it. And, and food for thought because we got food here. <laughs> His food was locust. Some of the, you know. People believe that uh, it wasn't really bugs, but it was carob, which is... Right, like the locust like tree. The, the locust tree, like the carob, like a chocolate off a tree. Yeah. Carob. It's supposed to be like translated. Like yeah. ham and tzitzits kind of don't mix. Locust, carob, there could be some, something um, there. I mean, I hear that, but then I also think about the fact that locust is kosher food. Yeah. 
So it could have been locusts, you know. Um, all right, so I'm going to read chapter 11, verses 9 through 12. And so Jesus continues in the same line of thought as he had before. It says here, But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. So here we go. So what did Yeshua say that the people went out to see? A prophet. Did Yeshua say that John the Baptist was more than a prophet? He did, yes. You know, it's interesting that when the king goes bad and the priesthood goes bad, you have to send in the prophet. You have to have a prophet, yeah. So what's happening right now is, I believe there's modern-day prophets, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. hopefully that are of God, you know, doing the Lord's bidding and mm-hmm. will. But I believe that we need to be dependent upon the Old Testament prophets, the writing prophets. Right. Because they are going to give us the lowdown yeah. and protect us. What will befall Israel in the last days? You know, some people use the next verse that we didn't read yet, verse 13, to say that John the Baptist was the last prophet and that there is no office of the prophet today. Uh, Because it says, for all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And so they draw a line saying, boom, John is it. I wonder if John is the last one. I mean, as far as like history goes. I mean, he could have modern-day prophets. I'm just saying as far as... Well, they're say, meaning they're written, saying written. there are no modern-day prophets. Oh, I disagree. I disagree with that as Matthew well. Matthew 11:10. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, <clears throat> which shall prepare thy way before thee. Mm. That's what he did. Uh, the prophecy of John uh, the Baptist can be found in Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5. Which we've, we already read, yeah. <clears throat> we already read that. So, yeah, so he was prophesied to prepare the way, and he did. It's interesting. Well, I wonder when Isaiah was written, because I'm not sure, but that's Long before quite this. a few years. In Matthew 11, 11, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Oh, yeah. So he's prophesying this movement. He's preparing the way. He's, he's John the Baptist, right? He's doing, he's doing what God's required him to do. He's a, he's a, fulfillment, a fulfillment of prophecy as a prophet. But John's mission was uniquely privileged because he prepared the way for the Messiah and the kingdom. But those in the kingdom of heaven have the greater privilege because they have actually entered the kingdom and became partakers in the new covenant through the blood of Yeshua. Matthew 11, 11. Imagine that. So he prepares the way. The Messiah comes. You receive him. You're greater than the one that even gave the message because now you have action. To the prophecy. Wow. That just came up to me. Came up. That's wow. the revelation. So he's making the way. That's intense. He comes, he prophesies, and you say, Yeah, I believe. Boom. You're greater than John the Baptist. Because you, you've actually fulfilled something that. Right. That, 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 now, to be that clear, happened. I think that John the Baptist is makes it into the kingdom. Absolutely. Right? So then now yeah. you're up against the kingdom version of John the Baptist in your rankings, <laughs> which. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So uh, I don't think he's fallen short. But look at what's going to happen now. So he's prophesying. He's doing all this. He's preparing the way. He's doing mikvahs. 
But in Matthew eleven twelve it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent taketh by force. Mm. So now there's going to be an, 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 an action against the enemy. The enemy is going to take action now. Oh, really? You want to prophesy about Jesus? And he comes and you want to receive him? Now there's going to have to be some recourse. Yeah. To stop the children of God from coming back. Mm. That's what the enemy wants to do. Well, if that's the message and he's coming, we got to thwart this thing and get them away from Yahweh and take them out. Yeah. So they can't do this. The arrest, imprisonment, and eventual execution of John the Baptist and the Jewish leaders, violent opposition to Yeshua, were attempts to seize and control the unfolding kingdom of heaven. The words until now hint that the kingdom will someday break free from the grip of those who seek to restrain it. The violent taketh by force. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those those. John phrases. the Baptist went to jail, got his head cut off. It wasn't it wasn't good. Yeah, I think your explanation here in the bullet point has got to be the best explanation that I've seen, because I've seen other stuff, and I just some of the things that Jesus says they're like dark sayings. They're I think hard we to have understand. to really keep it in context as much as we can. Oh yeah, absolutely. So let's check out Matthew chapter eleven verses thirteen through fifteen. I'll read that, and you Ooh. can take over. Yeah. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. I like that. John the Baptist once again. And if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was for to come, which is, of course, Elijah. Wow. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Okay. Boom. All right. So, I mean, for all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if ye will receive it, this is Elijah, which was for to come. Yeah. I guess that's his name in Greek. Yeah, Elias. 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 We know Elias. We know an Aaliyah. What about Elias? I don't know. His, no? his name's Aaliyah. But I think it's E-L-I-A. I'm talking about the guy that owns a restaurant. Yeah, Aaliyah. Aaliyah. It's the only Aaliyah I know. <laughs> I thought it was Elias. Elias. No no S? I, I, he doesn't use it in English with an S. Maybe in when he speaks to his Greek friends. Oh, there we go. Because he, he is he an Australian Greek owning a Cuban restaurant. So. Wow, that sounds exciting. Yeah, because his wife's Cuban and she owns a spa across the street from him. Okay. Whatever it takes, man, you know? Whatever I like it, takes. it. Yeah, I like it too. So um, Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, promise that the day of the Lord, a time of divine judgment for the wicked, but healing and joy for God's people would be preceded by the sending of Elijah, Elias in this case. Before John's birth, he was designated as the one who would minister in the spirit and power of Elijah. You can find that reference in Luke chapter 1, verse 17 and thereby fulfilling Malachi's prophecy. That's a good study. It is. Well, and it's cool because, um, you know, there's there's Jesus right here in red letters in these verses saying, John the Baptist equals the Elijah prophecy fulfillment, right? So it's one thing for us to imprint that, you know, try to overlay something, but Jesus himself is saying, John the Baptist is the one preparing the way for the Messiah, you which know, is, oh, by the way, the guy talking to you. Yeah, but the, the bottom line is Not that, me, for Jesus. me, it, it's interesting because Elijah is about restoration. John the Baptist was about preparing the way in repentance. Right. So the two had different, really, administrations. So you set a place for Elijah at the Passover Seder. Which well, is it's the of restoration of all things. It, right? It's just something. These He's are the days of oh, Elijah. Yeah. You yeah, know. yeah, it's coming. But the thing is, and there's two witnesses in Revelation, 
but there's a lot of allegory and symbolism and revelation. But I'm just saying that there's just something more about this that we got to look into. Well, and you know, obviously, in, within the Hebrew roots, is there of the another guy coming? Christian faith, Elijah. Well, that's because he was taken in a fiery chariot. The short answer is yes. See what I'm saying? Right. So the long answer is no. Doesn't he show up at Mount Transfiguration? It's a Moses and Elijah. So the law and the prophets. So there's something going on here. Yeah. Like this guy's coming back. Well, so like the Jewish the fiery people. fiery chariot, transfiguration, boom. The Jewish people have a tradition of saving a seat for Elijah at the dinner table for Passover seders because they're still waiting on Elijah to come and prepare the way for the Lord. Now, I have not really studied out. Does it make sense that we leave a space for Elijah at this point? I because Elijah can came. You can. <laughs> right? Is he going to come again? And, and this is another thing, just in general practice and understanding from Hebraic thought versus Greek thought. Greek is very linear, right? So here's the prophecy, here's the fulfillment, check the box, now we go compartmentalize this and put it away. Whereas the Hebrew thought is more cyclical, like a spiral staircase going upward, right? And so things can repeat themselves. I'll give you a perfect example. The story of Hanukkah is prophesied in the book of Daniel, right? And then it happens and we see that fulfillment with Antiochus in the book of Maccabees. That's true. Right? But then... And in Daniel, yeah. But wait, there's more. Right? So you have Daniel, then you have Maccabees. So you would think that that's the checking of the box. That's done. Right? But no. We get to Yeshua, and in Matthew 24, he says, Hey, those of you that know the abomination of desolation... When you see these things... Prophesied flee, by the prophet another, Daniel... It's going to happen again. And it did. Right? The temple was destroyed. And I'm pretty sure they did some funky things in the temple before they, they tore it down. However... We know that it will happen even again, right? Because as long as the Lord tarries, we're waiting again for this, this Antichrist true. to come and do this Th thing. That's, that's true. Yeah. Ah, I lost my train of thought. All right, here we are. So, and even then, Jesus says this in verse 15, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. It is interesting that you can have ears and still not hear. In Isaiah 6, 9, it says, And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. You know, would you safely say that I teach on identity at Beit Tehillah? Um, Grafted in, I wild think, branches, I think natural so. branches, Yeah, I think that's much. a pretty safe I mean, I've statement. hit it pretty solid. Maybe a little too much in some opinions. Okay. Some circles are like, you the, know. Okay, well, just, just to reiterate something, right? Do you have ears to hear? I hope so. So somebody comes to my office and wants to meet with me. Yeah. And they're so excited because they tell me, God showed me I'm Israel. God revealed it to me. And how do you feel when they come and say that? Do you feel like, I've been telling you that for like 90 years? Or do you feel no, like, oh, praise God, the way. revelation has come. To but you. I was just happy that the revelation was there. Yeah. Okay. That's but, the right, that's the right attitude. Yeah. Because it was like, you know, it was like, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. Because this is what we teach you. This is what we do. But it's, it's amazing that God had to speak it to you. Yeah. And I love that though, but it just goes to show you, you know, people will come, you've been sharing this and now I'm, I get it. Oh, it's know? a beautiful thing. Now I get it. You know, the thing we really got to work on with our young people is betrothal. That's biblical. It's good. It's yeah. not old fashioned. It's not stupid. It's not, you know. Well, and we do betrothal because of who we are. Don't be ignorant. It's a, it's a process. It's something yeah. you, didn't, you haven't experienced or looked at. So you, you got to look at it biblically and say, this would be a cool way to, to do a marriage if you're young. You yeah. know, if you want to do what's right. But it's not old fashioned. Right. So that's what we got to teach our young people. So I have a question. How are you preparing the way for Messiah? 
I love this. I can't get away from it. In Exodus 19.5, he talks about, if you will hear his voice and keep his covenant, you will be above all people. We have to hear his voice and keep his covenant. So the voice is very important because covenant we can look and keep and do and check the boxes like you Mm -hmm. say. But like when he says things like, Nick, I'm sending Jews to Beit Tehillah from Israel. I have to hear that because it doesn't really say that in the Bible. Judah approaches Joseph. There's the concept, the template. But I have to hear, hey, the Jewish people are coming to Beit Tehillah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's the first thing. And, and by the way, God would always judge a people. And he, before he would judge them, he was sending the prophets. You're not listening to me. You're breaking covenant. You know, even Amos got railroaded. You know, I'll go back down south to your trees or whatever, your fruit trees, sycamore trees or whatever. Get on out of here. The kingdom want nothing. Get out of here. Go on, get. Yeah. You know, but he's like, hey, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? You know, you made an agreement and you broke it. You know, ah, get out of here. Shoo. You know, but but that's the thing. So then what happens is uh, we don't hear his voice. We don't keep his covenant. He sends the prophets and then the judgment comes. And that's just the bottom line. That's what's happening now throughout the earth. There's this form of judgment. That's that's the first thing. The second thing is if you do um, spiritual exercises, the three spiritual exercises, the word, worshiping, and praying, then you're going to be in a good place. Yeah. Just like we're getting ready to kick off tonight the book of Leviticus. Out of all 66 books, the greatest book you'll ever read, you'll ever comprehend, that you've got to have Leviticus. It's like ordering a, a, a hamburger, and there's no hamburger, but there's lettuce and tomato, and there's bread, and there's mayonnaise and mustard and condiments and pickles, but there's no meat. Leviticus is the meat of Torah. To the left, I give you Genesis and Exodus. To the right, right? To the right, I give you what? Numbers and Deuteronomy. Boom. <laughs> Leviticus, third book, Divine of the Lord. Remember that three. You know, they have a, a little island out in the middle of the Pacific called Pastor Nick Island. has a big sign that says, we love Leviticus, you know? It's, it's, it's worldwide. Yeah. No, I yeah. think you're out there by yourself. It's, it's worldwide. <laughs> I'm telling you. Just remember, in Leviticus chapters 1 through 17. It's the way to God. It is the way to God. Right. But what? 18, 18 to 27, 27 is the walk, walk with, with God. God. And that's what we want. We want to walk with God. Right. Don't forget 18, secret sins. That's, right? See, that's the bonus package. It's all coming tonight. You know, we could just do a whole, like, let's just do Leviticus right now. We're going to do a podcast on Leviticus. I believe. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it in my, feel it. All right. What uh, do you got? Oh, what man. Okay. So um, the first thing I want to say is that every one of us that has aligned ourselves with Christ is going to stand before Jesus at the Bema Seat Judgment. That That's can be good. fine, right? So we're all going to stand there. And he's going to take everything that we've done, right? And he's going to light it all on fire. And we're going to watch it all burn. And there's going to be stuff on there that was like wood, wood hay, hay, and stubble, double. right? But the things that remain are the things that we've done that will last all of eternity and that will in some way, shape, or form be turned into crowns, right? There's, there's different crowns, and people have very specific ways to do the crowns, whatever. But there's rewards that are given and rewards that are taken away and left out, right? That's right. And so— That's not the great white throne judgment. No, no, we're not this talking about different. the wrath of God. This is like— you know, you get to the end of the level on your video game, you know what I mean? And you get like, bring, bring, ding, 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 and you get to see like, what, what kind of score did you get, you know? But here's the thing. The things that last for eternity are the things that God prepared for you to do in advance, right? The good works that he prepared for you to do. Not for what you were supposed to do, but the things like for me, what I was supposed to do, right? So when I stand before the Lord, 
I'm going to be alone there and I'm going to be saying, hey, these are the things that I do. So the reason that I mention this is because it's the talents. What did you do with these, the talents? Right, right. These are the things that we should be doing to prepare the way for the Lord. God is going to give us instructions, right? My sheep hear my voice, right? I know them and they, what is it? I love them. They love me. Anyways, there's three things there, right? My sheep hear my voice, which is the key, right? Listen, 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 listen to what is God telling you to do, right? And so I would say that there's some general things that you can do. One is the Great Commission. Who are you telling about Jesus? Who are you uh, telling your testimony to this week, this month, today, this hour? Um, The Great Commission is key. This is the last words of a dying man. He says, all power and authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, right? Now go (laughs) and make disciples, right? So this is what he says for us to do, because if we want to bring the Messiah back so that we can get into this millennial kingdom thing or, or whatever your eschatology is to be with the Lord, then the Great Commission is one of the key pieces that all of us are called to. The question is, how are you called to the Great Commission? We're all called to make disciples, but how are you? Who are you discipling? How are you discipling them? All of that, right? The specifics are kind of left up to the individual. Um, being willing to be used by God, growing in your prayer life, right? How are you going to hear the Lord if you're not in prayer and having a relationship with the Lord in the Word and in prayer? So um, preparing the way for the Lord, those are the things that I think are are the keys. Um, because God calls us His sons, you know? He says, you're my son. So why wouldn't we want to fulfill the will of our Father? Um, because we're really just like, an extrapolation of him, you know? And so when we look at the Great Commission and we look at how are we preparing the way for the Lord, I think that our testimony and and making disciples is the key. That's that's what I got. That's what I commission got. Commission and testimony. Great commission. Yep. You have been commissioned. You're an officer in the sense. Lord's army. Gosh, Ryan, why are you doing this? I'm preparing the way for the Messiah. What? What? Really? Oh, my God. These are the things the Lord told me to Gosh, do. I just thought you were just doing something. Well, that's what's cool. When you love the Lord and you're in um, and you're in covenant with him, the good works, I've heard it said, they just fall out of your pocket. You know? That's the thing, you know. Peace and direction. Pad. All like right. I know. How do you go? we got to keep moving. Matthew 11, verses 16 through 19. I'm going to read it. All right. Let's do it. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and you have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and you have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He hath a devil. Yeah. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. I love these verses. So let's break it down. So, But whereunto shall I liken this generation? Oh, wow. So he's going to give a little audit, spiritual audit here. Man, it's like children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and you have not danced we have mourned unto you, and you have not lamented. Now, this is interesting, you know. I mean, if, if you stop and think about this last part here, I thought this was something culturally speaking. In an ancient version of the game, Simon Says, 
Shimon says. If a designated <laughs> child played a pretend flute, the other children were supposed to dance. If he sang a lament, they were supposed to mourn. However, like unresponsive children, Israel did not pay heed to the ministries of John the Baptist and Yeshua. Wow. Yeah. I mean, hit them, come, boom. Here's a, a crooked government. Here's a crooked priesthood. And here comes Yeshua. Boom, right on the scene. Yeah. Boy, doesn't it feel like even now churches are closed. Government's not real good. You know, I was thinking and about wow. the things that inconvenience us and how like people have like what they call, a, I think it's called cognitive dissonance to where we have these things that we know we should be doing or that we know we're supposed to Is do. Is it dissonance? I, it might be. It's a big, big fancy two <laughs> words. Might totally be wrong, but you know. Dissonance. The point being that, but w for some reason, even though we know things are for our good, or they're for the best, or that it's going to save a life, or it's going to do all all this good, or whatever it is, we still like don't do it for whatever reason. And I see that as what Jesus is saying here, like, hey, <laughs> you know, we played the flute for you, but you didn't dance. Like, why wouldn't you dance? We're here playing the flute, right? Meaning, like, hey, we're it, here. This man. is just an example. Respond to this. A, a representation. I'm writing Torah minds and hearts. Get with the. Pro what are you doing? There's a Torah scroll in that church. Right. Don't you get it? Right. Hello. Exactly. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he's got a devil. <laughs> you know, people criticize what they don't understand. They do. See, this is why you know. You shouldn't be going around bashing people's faith. Like, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe they're Buddhists, maybe they're Muslims, maybe they're you know Jehovah Witnesses, whatever, Baha'i faith. But we just come and just say things that don't. We don't even know what we're talking about. You know, we, we had a member of Beit Tehillah congregation who I will not name, but I will mention in anonymity that took notes and thinking the last podcast of all the people that I offended. <laughs> He's like, so you started off by offending the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons. That really and, happened? Yeah, yeah, it was a joke. But I mean, he was, and then he's like, and then you made fun of Pastor's hairline. You know what I mean? He's just like all. <laughs> I remember I warned you about this. You I said, don't do it, Ryan. Well, he knew, right? So he was just ribbing me, giving me a but hard see, time. see, we're getting a captive audience, Ryan. Oh, yeah. For those of you that are listening, watching, we love you. You, yeah, are, yeah. you, you They're rock over our there. world. They're over there. Yeah. yeah. We enjoy doing this because it's God's word. Amen. And so you're tapped into this and you're like, these guys yeah. are quirky. They're just not right. And they're sharing the Matthew gospel. I, I dig this, man. They're real. They're, they've got humor. I need this right now, the times I'm living in, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that we just, we really appreciate all you listeners. And we, we just love to have your feedback. I know maybe we just listen. I just appreciate have, we have at least one listener. you have listener. cognitive dissonance where you don't respond back to us, whatever. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Um, the cognitive dissonance. The spirit of complacency hits you after you listen. Oh, that was great. Whatever. Like trip to Tell fan. us how good it was. Tell tell us what, what mattered to you, what we brought out that, that ministered to you. That's right. Because that's what we're doing. We're inspired to, to share this. So, so the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. I would like to translate this into modern English. Darned if you do. Darned if you don't. Well, check this out. Check this out. He says that, but wisdom is justified of her children. Yeshua makes a point that wisdom is justified of her children. In the English Standard Version, it says, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Many people make accusations, but wisdom will show you who is bearing fruit and doing the will of God. I guarantee you the ones who are criticizing the most are doing the least. Yeah. You know, my Nana, uh, God rest her soul, um, a good, good Christian woman, my dad's mom, used to say, 
in her country twang. Rats, right, and wrong don't belong to nobody. That's the kingdom of God. That is. And yeah. then, uh, and then, what else did she? And then, Forrest Gump, I think, famously said something that's right along the lines of this: um, "Stupid is as stupid does," <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of the opposite. Wisdom is just five our children. Stupid is stupid does. So yeah, Defi- so, different so, camps, but you will know them by their fruit. Right. That's true. Yeah. I mean, think about it. What if you're? What if you're? You know. I don't know. I'm going to go there. Yeah, leave it alone. I'm not going to go there. Don't do it. Somebody's making notes. I'm not going Somebody's there. making notes. Somebody's. So I hope he makes uh, it to this this far into the podcast. You know, some people like listen, but then you get caught up with stuff. I hope he listens to this part. It's true. And catches true. it, you know. So what two points can be learned from Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 19? I'll do my two first. Um, I have these two points. Just like John the Baptist, we should be preparing the way for the Messiah. Yeah. We see the signs. The government's not doing well. Church is not in a good place. But we can be like John the Baptist, and we can remove those stumbling blocks. That's another thing that it says in the reference to the prophecy in Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 3, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. When you remove the stumbling blocks, the glory comes down. Can you read that for me? Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 3. Verses 3 through 5, you mean? Is it 3 through 5? Check it out. But there's, there's a little, little nugget in there about that. So if we stay offended all the time, we have all these stumbling blocks— we can't get God's glory. Sometimes it feels good to like wallow in your self pity and stuff, like kind of like for a, a little bit, like a pig and its then own. Then you got to take the trash or out. whatever. Yeah, no. Then you go pick up the you kids. Take a shower. Uh, you're talking about the voice of one crying. Just keep. Just read the beginning. Okay, comfort. Yes, comfort my people, says the Lord. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord. Has so spoken. preparing the way rids ourselves of opinions. It rids ourselves of offenses. Yeah. We dealt with it. We're doing it. Now let's get the glory of the Lord. We prepared the way. Now let's get the glory of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now we're doing what we're supposed to be doing instead of fighting and bickering and arguing. Yeah. And so that's my first point. Just like John the Baptist, we should be preparing the way for the Messiah. Number two. Okay. Let's say that you get the perfect setup. You get a group of people and you start doing it. Well, guess what? What? The kingdom of God suffers violence, but we have to endure. So now we're going to get some opposition. We're going to get some trouble, Jacob's trouble. But it's okay because we're on the path, because the path's been cleared, so we get his glory. Yeah. And then we can do it. So those are my two things, that we are going to be persecuted. But we're fulfilling prophecies and the promises. What else can we do? Amen. Amen. All right, so my two points. My first one is participate with the Lord. Participate with the Lord. He said, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. Care about what God cares about. Get it into your heart, right? You want to conform yourself to the image of the Son of God, to Jesus, right? So the more we can become like Jesus, the better. Every day, that's what we should be praying. Lord, help me become more like Are we like doing the words of Jesus? That's Remember, right. he says, I'm going to send you the comforter right. who's going to bring to mind all of my words. That's right. So in the Hebrew movement, we're all in the Old Testament and the Torah. Right. 
And that is the word of the Lord. But what about Yeshua's words? What are we doing with that mm. in the gospel? Yep. That's the thing. You know, like the Beatitudes, it just messes with us. It does. No, his stuff is like, like, listen, and this is what I have to say to all the people who say the Torah is done away with. The Torah, they're like, oh, it's too difficult. You can't keep it. But I'm like, look, the Torah is the easy part. Keeping the words of Yeshua. Somebody broke down. There's a thousand commandments in the New Testament. Yeah, I know. How about love one another? Yeah. How are you doing with that one? Well, it depends on who one another is. That's true. You know, I'm doing a good job of loving you. You know what I mean? I, I mean, love my neighbor. You've got a good thing going. That's right. You know? Yeah. But there's people that I struggle with with that. Gotcha. All right, so my second one, my second point is beware of those who give others labels. I'm trying to remember who it was that brought this up in our group, but it was really beware of those who put other who give others labels, right? That was so, Rick. It, I think it might have been. You're right. Oh, you're right. It was Rick. Beware of those who give others labels. So for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said he has a demon. And the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, "Look, a glutton and a wine bibber." <laughs> you know what, I mean? what? What? What can you do? You know? I know. I mean, it's literally darned if you do, darned almost, if you don't. Would that be? Would that be the same as a stereotype too? Right. Well, it's like the people that say, "Hey, you're not doing that right," and it's like, "Well, you're not even doing it at all." So, yeah. you know, go find some place to complain to a mirror. But point being that this is also very relevant for today, right? Today, everyone is putting people into categories, right? Instead of just being brothers and sisters in the Lord. The right, the left, the central. Exactly right. Central Republican, left, right. Democrat, racist, bigot, homophobe, xenophobe. You know what I mean? So beware. Beware of those who are trying to stick everybody into categories so that they can divide and conquer. Very good. That's exciting. Well, I guess that's it. Why don't you pray us out? All right. Father, we just thank you for the gospel of Matthew. We thank you that this gospel shows us that he's a king and we are his subjects. Thank you, Father, for putting it on my heart to do this small group uh, Bible study of Matthew every Monday night. We just lift the Bible study up to you every Monday night. Uh, Even this coming Monday, Father, as we get together and and look over the story of Esther, the story of Purim and how it came about. And uh, we just thank you for this opportunity to get into your word and for your word to get into us. Uh, Thank you, Yeshua, for your uh, just your ongoing wisdom that you are the good shepherd, the good rabbi, the big rabbi that we love, we follow. We're at your feet. We thank you for allowing us to encourage others and to hear your voice and obey. And we ask this in the name of Yeshua of Nazareth. Amen. A- and go yeah. Leviticus. Yeah. 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 We'll be reading it tonight. That's great. Oh, yeah. You know how excited my kids are. Yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine. The burnt offering. <laughs> you know, kids, Remove there's five the different kinds of offerings found yeah. in the beginning of Leviticus. And it takes two Torah portions to get through them all. <laughs> and it doubles up. Oh, the exc- I could barely contain my excitement. You know, I will say this. Everybody should study it. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, you really get a lot of meat as you mentioned, a lot of fundamental basic concepts out of the book of Leviticus that until you've studied it, you don't really get. It's good. It's like a a hidden treasure. So I will agree there's definitely utility to studying Leviticus. All right. Praise the Lord. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, What an awesome portion we just read out of Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 19. If you want to reach me or Pastor Nick, you can get us at Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. Um, you can call the office. You can find us on Google. Love to hear from you. See how you're doing. Exactly right. So bless you guys. Have a great week.